0: Guys, you're more than welcome to take your seats. Thank you so much. Guys, if we have never met before, my name is Ryan, and I've got the privilege of being one of the pastors here of the church. And full disclosure before you start, as Lee and Jackie said, uh, because uh, I came to this church in February of last year, we had five Sundays before lockdown happened, and we've actually only had about 10 or so services in this building with people. So, this is the first time in over a year that I'm preaching in front of actual human beings in a building. And so uh, I'm, I'm I'm a little bit nervous. I'm not gonna be honest with you it's it's uh, it's real and so if I if I start to sweat and I start to like shake and I run off the stage in floods of tears, Pastor Leo Pastor Jackie is gonna finish the rest of my sermon. Is that okay? Great stuff. Uh, and so we are in. Uh, uh, like kind of week three of our Arise campaign. And so far, Pastor Linda and Pastor Jason have explored uh, for what it means for us to be disciples of Jesus, to be people who are following Jesus with our lives. And so they've been exploring what it means for us to be a church family together, following Jesus better, to follow in his teachings and to actually put them into practice and not kind of just cocoon ourselves ourselves in our comfort zones, but to actually get out there and be impactful in our worlds. And so today, hopefully, will be no different. If you have a Bible, we're going to get straight into it, and we are going to read today from Luke chapter 16. If you haven't got a Bible with you, or you're at home, or you're watching... All of the texts that we use today are going to be on the screen. And so we are reading the parable of the shrewd manager. And if you have no idea what a parable is, a parable is a story that Jesus told to make people understand some of his teaching and so although this may not be uh, like a uh, it's like a fictional story it was a story to implement a point that Jesus wanted to make and we're going to split this bit of teaching into two sections of text the first section is uh, is the parable itself and then the second section of the is the application what does it mean for us to actually apply this parable to our real world life so i'm going to read today from luke 16 verse 1 Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions so he called him in and he asked him what's this i hear about you give account of your management because you cannot be an, a, a manager any longer the manager said to himself what shall I do now my master is taking away my job I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg I know what I'll do so when I lose my job people will welcome me into their houses so he called in each of his master's debtors and he asked them uh, he asked them this first how much money do you owe my master 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied, the manager told him. Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked a second, and how much do you owe? "A 1,000 bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commanded the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, in this small bit of text alone, we could pick up four or five different sermons of all of what we could teach and unpack that uh, in loads of detail. Um, uh, But we need to know a little bit of the context of this chapter as well. So we have this manager, and through either his dishonesty and his want for ill-gotten gains, or his sheer ineptitude to do the job that he was hired to do, he was called into his boss's office. And this guy is so used to the cushy lifestyle of sitting in his office and ordering people around, and he doesn't want to do the proper graft. He doesn't want to pick up uh, uh, an axe or pick up a shovel to do some digging. And he also can't uh, 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 take away his pride enough, and humble himself enough to beg. And so he knows that he's messed up and he needs to do something in his life to sort out this situation that he's currently in. He's been given his marching orders from his boss. His boss has told him to clear his desk by the end of the day. And so he thinks, I need to do something drastic here. And so he gets all of the people who owe his boss money and he gives them a reprieve to some of what they owed. And the reason why he did this, uh, there is some, uh, some kind of doubt, not necessarily doubt, but uh, theologians, people so much smarter than me can't even agree as to why he did it. So I won't be able to ask, answer that question distinctively today, but I can give you three trains of thought as to why this man may have done this. The three schools of thought is, number one, the manager wanted revenge on his employer. And so he thinks, I'm getting the sack, so I am going to make sure I leave on bad terms. He gets all the people that owe him money, and he says, half of, take, don't even bring up the full amount to what you owe. Only bring back half, or 80%. And this is one school of thought, but uh, I don't necessarily agree with that because the, the the response of the owner compared to the manager is quite strange because he would have given away half of his wealth and yet he still said, oh, you acted shrewdly, you did a wise thing. So that doesn't make too much sense. The second school of thought is that the manager was, was taking into account some of the interest that would have accrued. Uh, and so we see in the book of Exodus that there's loads of kind of rules and regulations of when you borrow money off someone else, whether you should charge them interest. But those chapters and verses in Exodus don't necessarily line up too well. And so the third school of thought, which is one I personally agree with, um, is that the manager himself would have been forgoing some of the commission on the money owed. And this viewpoint seems like it's the most acceptable to me. And because if it's in this case, then we see the reaction of the owner. It is quite in step with what would have happened. The guy would have got him in and said, you know what? I don't even want my commission. I just want to do now what is right on my boss, on the owner. And so forget the commission. Just pay back what you were originally Owed, and this kind of shows uh, really the character and the nature of God within this as well, because that we see that the owner in the story is forgiven to, uh, to, uh, to the to the to the manager. And so uh, that's like a really brief overview of the text, but uh, that we get to the application, which is really the most important part today. Because as I say, we could go for four or five 30-minute sermons and still not fully understand that parable, but we can understand the teaching that Jesus is trying to get through this. So if you concentrate again on the screens as the text reads on, we're going to continue from Luke 16, chapter 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much." So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will you trust with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with anyone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. They said to him, you are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of others. But God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. And so for the rest of my talk, I want to concentrate on those first few verses, uh, the first verse in in chapter, t- in chapter 16, sorry, in verse 10. And it says, whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And obviously we see that the context of this saying is, uh, is kind of financial and giving, but it's in no way just applicable to those parts of our life. It's applicable to every area of our life. You know, God desires more faithfulness from us. Uh, And he wants us to take what we have right now and he wants us to put it to use. And so this may seem like really simple teaching. This may seem like, okay, I understand that, I get that. Be faithful in little things, and we get greater things to be faithful with. Uh, And if you're going to remember just one thing from my talk, please remember this. Of all the waffle that I'm going to do in the next 10 minutes or so, please remember this. We speak on this sort of stuff because simple isn't easy. Some of the Bible's most key fundamental teaching is so easy to understand. It's so easy to understand, but as Christians, we often get it so wrong. We see that uh, there's loads of commands or, or, or teachings of Jesus. Again, so easy. Love God, for example, is one of them. That's love God. Jesus says that's the most important thing we can do on this earth is love God. That's really simple teaching, but it's really hard to do sometimes. It's really hard to do when you've had a really rubbish day or something's really not gone your way, when the storms of life are turning your world upside down, when you're questioning God, questioning his wisdom, questioning his plan of your life, even questioning his very existence. We are called to love God. But when life is tough, sometimes it's really tough to do that simple, simple teaching. We're then told in the Bible, after love God, we're told to love, uh, love our neighbors. Again, that's so simple to grasp, so simple to understand. But it's so difficult to put into practice when your physical neighbor has something against you. When some, maybe someone that you work with has a vendetta and they're out to get you. When, you're, when you. when things don't go your way, it's so difficult to turn the other cheek. Simple, my friends, doesn't mean easy. And so when we say be faithful in the little things and you'll have greater things to be faithful for, that, my friends, is simple teaching. But put it into practice and let us see as Christians what difference it makes in our world. So this simple teaching of being faithful, what do we need to know and then how do we need to put it into practice? I'm going to share shortly a really simple formula that each one of us can do to become even more faithful where we're at right now. There's a couple of things we need to know before we get there. As Christians, we need to be people who are content where we are right now, but also really excited for where God is taking us. What do I mean by that? Well, let me explain. As Christians, sometimes we want the greater things before we've even been faithful in the smaller things. And that doesn't mean little things. That means smaller things, smaller than what God has for us next, not necessarily small. And so we want to skip the early part and go straight for the glory. Uh, we but God my friends has so much to teach us on the journey and so we want to have greater things in our life but God wants to teach us step by step of the things that we need to do and the person that we need to be to hold tight when we are in those times of the greater things pastor Rick Warren who leads a really large church in America says these words faithfulness requires integrity and God tests your integrity in the little things things. And we can apply that quote to every area. We can apply that not just our integrity, but we can apply that to our skill. We can apply that to our knowledge. We can apply that to our hard work. God will test us in all of these things. And when we are faithful in those, God promises us that we have something faithful to be in later. And so we don't often realize that we're, not, we're just not ready for the, for the greater things just yet. We may be lacking the experience or the wisdom or the skill to tackle those greater things. And all those skills are gained when we are faithful in the smaller things. And sometimes it's really tough. When you're in those positions. When you're in the midst of being faithful in those smaller things, we have to remember that there is a promise from God that we have things to be, we have greater things to be faithful with in our futures. And so you may be wherever you are right now and you are frustrated, but do not be disheartened because there are greater things to come for those who are faithful. Amen. Amen. And so you may be frustrated in your workplace because you have been missed up for that promotion. You may be disheartened because your family hasn't come to faith just yet. You may be anxious that you have not moved forward in your life's trajectory and in your plan as you'd expected. But my friends, take heart today because the promise is coming that we have faith. We have greater things to be faithful with in our personal lives and in the life of this church when we are faithful in the things that we have to do right now. So we're content of where we are right now but we are excited for the things to come. The Bible is littered with people who have been faithful in the things that they did, and God elevated them to greater things. Noah was faithful in building the ark, even when people were calling him crazy. Yet he saved the life of his family, and he repopulated the earth, and he set in in motion uh, a kind of new age on the earth. David, who was one of the kings in the Bible, possibly one of the most famous people in the Bible, David was faithful in looking after his sheep and protecting them against bears and lions. And because he was faithful in those smaller things and faithful in loads of things on the way, he was elevated to be king over God's people, leading the entire Israelite nation. Mary was faithful to God in all that, we, all that she did. We learn that. And so God bestowed on her the call to carry and raise the Son of God. Most people who achieve great things for God started out by doing something really small and they were really, really faithful. These people that we read about in the Bible and these people that we know have been faithful are not perfect by any stretch. And yes, they make plenty of mistakes along the way, but hallelujah, thank God we have a graceful God that even when we make mistakes, he still gives us the opportunity to be faithful with the promise that there is greater things to come. My friends, God has given us something to use and not to lose. If we aren't faithful where we are right now, we are going to lose out. We're going to lose out in the right here and now, but we're also going to lose out in the future. God has given us a life and I, for one, do not want to waste my life. I do not want to waste the things that had God's planned for me because I have not been faithful of where God has placed me right now. And my friends, I hope that as a church, as a family, we could all say the same too. And you may be thinking, well, that's all well and good for you, Pastor Ryan. You're the guy standing on the stage. You're the one that has the privilege of speaking in front of a few hundred people today and, and, and people online too. Well, I've been a Christian for 12 years this summer. And I've been working for churches for them for, for nearly a decade. Uh, I was at Coventry-Elim for like, like nine years, and I've been here for about, 18, about 15, 18 months now. And, uh, and so you guys, were, you guys won't have seen my development. You won't have seen the times that I had to be faithful in lots and lots of smaller things. And I believe the only reason, and I hope and I pray, the only reason I have this opportunity right now is because I've been faithful in the past. And so I used to serve on the youth team of my home church, Coventry Elim. And we used to turn up at 7.45 every Sunday and we used to pack a car and we used to take it to a hotel that was only about 50 yards away and set up for youth. And then the whole team used to go and do first service and we, uh, we used to sit in the first service of our church and then we ran youth. During the second service, we used to then pack everything away, bring it back to the church, had half an hour, and then I used to have to go work from 2, two o'clock in the afternoon until 11 o'clock, and so I was out of the house on a Sunday from 7.30 all the way through till 11.30pm at night. You won't know that, when I was, uh, that in 2011 I did a gap year for uh, for the church, I did an internship uh, of where I just said to, uh, I, I got the opportunity to do so, and I went part time at work. And I used to turn up on a Sunday, and we used to uh, do do loads of stuff throughout the week. But loads of Sundays, and I mean loads of Sundays. Our church used to be next to a, a, a busy student pub, and the amount of times when we would arrive because we were the first ones there on a Sunday morning, and there would be sick in the car park from the people who were leaving the pub at two, three in the morning. Sick wasn't the worst thing that we encountered as well when we when we arrived in the car park sometimes uh, uh, but I, I was often the one that would clear that up uh, I would get a broom and I would get some hot water and some detergent so that when people arrived to the church they weren't having to jump over puddles of sick so you won't have seen that level of faithfulness that I had to be to the call of God upon my life uh, and I hope as I said I hope it's not good fortune I hope it's not luck uh, or anything like that that has allowed me to be in the privileged position that I am today. I hope also when I look back in 40 years is that I can chart back those times where I've been faithful to God uh, and he has given me the opportunities to be faithful in even greater things. And so briefly, before we sort of head towards a close, uh, I think you may be wondering where we're going with all of this. Well, my friends, there is four areas of our lives, Uh, four areas that, uh, that if each one of us become more faithful in this area, we will see a shift in our church, but we see a shift in our town and our area as well, because we would have hundreds of people who are learning to be even more faithful to what God is calling us to do right now, and so that we can be even faithful in even greater things to come. And so with each of these four areas, I would love it if you could ask, ask yourself this question. Ask, am I being faithful in this area? And then if you can honestly answer yes to all four of these, my friends, you are in the right direction. You are doing great. Keep going. But if there's one of these areas that you know you need to work on, then my friends, work on it. Because there is a promise, as we've said, coming, that there is something greater in our destiny. And so we want to put to work these four areas. And they are giving, praying, serving, and showing. And so what, does, uh, what, what do these mean? What do each of these mean? These are universal for every single one of us. Even if you are seven years old in this church, you have the opportunity to work on these four areas. If you are 85 years old or anything in between, these are universal that we can work on these together. And so we see from the text that we read earlier in Luke 16, it says, So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? I hope you would agree with me, friends, that there is nothing we would want to be a bottleneck in us progressing in our faith journey. I hope you would be able to assess your current situation And ask yourself honestly, are you being faithful with your giving? And for us to be clear here, I need you to know that your current financial situation is in no way fundamental to how faithful you have been in the past or how faithful you are being right now. Some of the most faithful people I know have had lots of money. And some of the most faithful people that I know and lots of people we read in the Bible, most faithful people have nothing. And so your current situation, you can't sit here and think, oh, well, my bank balance is healthy. That means I am faithful. That is not what we are saying here. But if we want God to elevate us to the next level, we need to be faithful where we are right now. Uh, And so this is not a promise that if you give to your church and you get faithful in your giving, in your tithes, that you will have a fatter bank account by this time next year. That is not what I'm saying. You have to understand that. But we are promised that when we are faithful in our worldly wealth, the things that we hold here, that God has something greater for us, which he says are true riches. And so what are your true riches? Your true riches, there's loads of different things that are called true riches in the Bible. Uh, That may be. The, the, the eternity and, uh, and the, the destination of the souls of your friends and your family. It could mean anything. You're not promised more money if you give today, but we are promised eternal wealth. Something that outlasts this world. And I know that anything is he- in heaven is greater than anything in this world. But my friends, we have to be faithful in our giving. We have to be faithful in our giving. It's really important that we are faithful in our praying too. It's so easy for us to come to church and get swept up with everything, all the emotions that are happening in the building. We can get lost in love, wonder, and praise. Uh, We can shout some amens and some hallelujahs. But what does your spiritual uh, spiritual life look like on a Tuesday morning? What does your spiritual life look like when you've had a rough day and you're getting home and it's Wednesday and it's hump day and you feel rough? What does your spiritual life look like then? My friends, we need to cultivate what's called a secret place. And that means that we need to cultivate a time where we are being intimate with God. We must cultivate a faith that engages with God every single day and in every single thing. I want to do a little experiment with you right now. Take a deep breath in and hold your breath for me. Everyone together. And <gasps> hold that breath. Starts off easy. Then it gets a little more tricky. And it gets a little bit more tricky. Some of you will not be able to hold your breath much longer. Some of you will be doing Okay keep that breath in your lungs for as long as possible this is what it's like if you live a Sunday faith that you turn up to church on a Sunday and this is where you get your spiritual refreshment and you feel great when you walk out this building but you've ran out of oxygen, you've ran out of life by the time you get to Tuesday morning because a Sunday faith will not sustain you a Sunday faith will not keep you going you can let out that breath if you've still got it in you right now well done And now start to breathe normally. This is a bit easier to do, isn't it? This is what it's like when you read your Bible on a Monday morning. This is what it's like when you hear the voice of God so clearly on a Tuesday and it sets you up for that, 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 uh, that thing you've got to deal with at work. This is what it's like when you're, when you're breathing in God every single day. It's a lot easier to do than trying to manage from Sunday to Sunday, from prayer meeting to prayer meeting. Romans 12, 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. For us to be faithful with our spiritual lives, we have to be in our Bibles every single day. We have to speak to God about what's going on in our life and not just speak to God, but take some time to listen for what he wants to say to each one of us. We have to cultivate a strong devotional life because it's all well and good in the world. If you want to give and you can give faithfully and you can go and talk to people about Jesus, but if you're not connected to God every single day, then you're just doing it out of your own strength. You're not doing it out of God's strength. And so we want to be a people who also serve. You may be watching online. Or you may be in the building. And you're thinking, wow, this, this is pretty good. They've got a high level of, uh, 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 of, kind of, uh, of how we do things around here. Uh, but we've only got six, seven members of staff at our church. So how is it possible that we can put on something like this today for you to turn up? It's an army of volunteers. How do, we del- how do we cook a thousand, over a thousand meals and deliver them to some of the most vulnerable in our community during the pandemic? Well, it's through an army of volunteers. How, how have we given thousands of, uh, sorry, hundreds of hospital bags to people? Yes, some of it is staff, but lots of it is amazing volunteers. And so each one of us is called to serve. Read 1 Corinthians 12, later on. If you're taking notes, read that later on. Because we called each one of us who are in this building and online to bring our gifts and our talents and to bring them for service of the local church, put them to work and bring them in partnership with each other for the glory of God. We are not a perfect church. We will never be. But God loves us. God loves every church. And so we serve him together to bring people into a closer relationship. There is so many different ministries that you can be involved in. We've got departments for people who love to talk. We've got departments for people who love to tinker with equipment. We've got departments for people who can play instruments like Beethoven. We've got departments for people who have just got an infectious personality and you see them and you smile. We've got all of those. You head to our website, elimnorthampton.com forward slash serve and there's loads of departments on there that we need people to come and get involved in. And God wants you to be faithful in your service. We serve the church. This doesn't happen by accident. This happens because there is people who don't get paid for it, are really committed to the call of God on their life. And they know that if you are part of a church, you can't just turn up on a Sunday and feel like part of the family. You've got to turn up and you get involved. You muck in where we need to. You know, I got into ministry, like I said, because I started serving on the youth team at my church and fell in love with ministry. My wife, she got invited to go and help in the kids' department of her home church. And someone saw the call of God on her life to be a teacher because she was fantastic with kids. And she loved it. And so she started training to be a teacher. God has greater things for you that might just be unlocked when you start serving in the local church. Sometimes we have to humble ourselves to do a job that we may think we're too good for. I know people who earn six-figure, £100,000-plus salaries who clean a toilet on a church on a Sunday morning because that is their faithful service. We are not too big to do any job in here. There is loads for us to get involved in. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of us has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good service of God's varied grace. But you also are called to serve outside of this church as well. And so there is people in this building right now, and without anybody telling them to do so, go and feed the homeless. There is people uh, uh, throughout this church who are serving one another in their local communities. Not because we've told them to do so. No, because they take up the call that God has called them to serve one another in love. And then finally, my friends, we are called to show. How are you showing your faith to the outside world? We've learned so well over the past few weeks the important with us uh, engaging with our discipleship and helping in the discipleship of others. We're reminded that in Matthew 28, we're called to go out and make disciples of all the nations. Well, the beauty of it is in Northampton, we have the nations on our doorstep. And so you don't have to go anywhere. You just have to go to work. You just have to go to school or to college or go to the supermarket or speak to your neighbor. And you can show the living God inside of you. If you are faithful with that, who knows what God has planned for you in the future? I can guarantee you, Most of the people who we hold so dear as people who have have spoke to hundreds and thousands of people about the Christian faith started in their local church. Started by sharing their faith to the people that they knew. Because we have a promise that if we are faithful in what we have right now, God has something for us to be faithful with that we cannot even imagine. But, we have to be faithful right now. And that is universal, that if we are faithful with our giving, if we are faithful with our praying, if we are faithful with our serving, and if we are faithful with our showing, this town will not be the same. What does it mean to have 300, 400, 500 people, however many people come to our church, what would it mean to have all those hundreds of people released into Northampton and to Northamptonshire being faithful in what they're doing right now because we know we've got something to be faithful with in the future that is even greater. And so we count it a privilege to know God. We count it a privilege to be able to do what God wants us to do. And so wherever you are right now, would you be faithful in those four things? And let's see our church transformed. Would you stand with me, my friends? Father, we thank you. We thank you that you give us the opportunity to put our hands to work and to be faithful right now with what we have. And we thank you that we know that when we do that, that there is something greater coming, something that we, our eyes can't even see. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you, we cannot do this in our own strength and we, we, we depend on you. We depend on you and say, we are going to be faithful. Help me to be faithful. Show me where I'm being unfaithful and I will do everything I can. And so i pray for myself and all of my friends in the room and online. God, would you fill us Fill us that so we can be a people of impact right now. Be faithful where we are right now. Give everything we have right now. Because there is reward for it now. And there is reward in the future. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, my friends.